Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. On this week's episode, we have... Lachlan, Lauren and Justin. This week we find out if Saturn is the only planet with such spectacular rings. Plus we also find out about the mysterious visitor that our solar system had 70,000 years ago and how it puts paid to the theory of Nemesis, the Dark Star. And now we launch into our Launchpad News segment. Justin and Lauren, you guys know how I only show up to every fourth sort of recording or so. That's why these lovely people listening at home don't always hear my beautiful voice. Well, that's right. It's uh, it's quite sad that uh, you don't grace us with your presence often enough. Are you saying that's because I find it hard to commit? Regulate to things, yes. See, I reckon that if I really was ready to commit to the show, then I should give you guys some sort of ring as a token of my commitment to this podcast. Are you trying to suggest you want to marry into the podcast? You want to marry LaGrange Point? Um, look, I would. Are you allowed? To, are people allowed to marry podcasts? Is that a thing? Well, people have married objects and video game characters in Japan, so maybe. As one of the founders of the show, I think you're um, you definitely have the ability to marry the show. I don't know. Can you marry your own child? That seems a bit suspect. Yeah, that sounds weird. Actually, that reminds me, Justin. If you weren't already married with a lovely wife. You love space so much. Would you marry a planet? Would you marry Saturn? Saturn has a ring. Oh, yeah. You know, that is a tough question. I, I'm preferential to Mars, but Saturn is just so stunningly beautiful. I probably wouldn't feel myself worthy enough of marrying Saturn. Oh, yeah, I reckon Saturn actually, you know, is not that impressive. What do you mean? It's got a huge ring. Lots of rings. Yeah, yeah, look... Saturn's got a lot of rings. What? How big are they? Do you know how big they are? Well, you know, some of them are small enough to have a few moons floating in between uh, the rings of Saturn. So, you know, there's actually some moon systems that act as shepherds and sort of guide the rings and sort of keep them in line and shape. So, you know, reason enough to have a small moon come through them. Not a Death Star, just a small moon. I mean, I guess that ring is pretty impressive. I mean, it's what? 105,000 kilometres. Yeah, and there are things that make up the ring. It looks kind of smooth and flat, but it's actually lots of different particles ranging, you know, specks of dust all the way up to the size of 10 metres in size. And there's even a few moons that actually live in Saturn's ring, sort of creating gaps and bands and keeping the rings in shape. You know what, Justin? Moons and stuff, you know, they're, they're pretty glamorous. They're sort of like the jewels of the, the, the um, solar system, but... I don't think that's impressive enough. I reckon you're holding out on me. Are there any other planets that have any more bigger and more glorious rings? I mean, Jupiter has a really small but faint ring. Uranus has a ring that's kind of the other way around to Saturn. Yeah, it's a bit different. But, you know, we sort of said, well, maybe rings are kind of a... Uh, a natural part of some types of planetary evolution, but really beautiful rings like Saturn has, so well-defined and flat and structured, will be considered pretty rare. Um, Until... That is, we found a very young star, very young star-like system called 1S Wasp J140747.93, or for short, J10407. Astronomers really have this poetry to naming that. Look, when you have so many billions of stars in the skies, you can't come up with snappy names like Sirius and Regulus A and Regulus B. Easily. You just have to come up with, like, numerical identifiers so you know exactly where it is and what it's talking about, and that's why we use these long strings of numbers. So J140747.93 
407 is a pre-main sequence star, so it's a bit of a baby. It's not fully developed yet. Um, it's adolescent, let's put it that way. It's about 16 million, million years old, and it's approximately you know, 434 light years away from us. So, a fair distance. Our closest neighbouring star, Alpha Centauri, is about five light years away, so pretty far, pretty far away, this one. But it seems to be ordered, orbited, this star, by at least one planet, which we call J1407b. And J1407b, we were looking at it, and we're actually picking up it existed by looking for its wobble that the star makes when it passes in front of it. So when this planet moves in front of the star, it causes the star to faint light a bit, and then it comes back, and that's how we actually pick the star shines more. So it's just like passing... Um, your hand in front of the light and then putting it away again, that's how we pick up this as something in the way. That's how we find planets, using Kepler Observatory. But when they were watching J1407, they kept finding that it was flickering in and out a lot, which wasn't explained by the planet moving past. And then they started to dig into more detail and found that what was causing that flickering was planetary rings. But not quite rings in the scale we, we have with Saturn. Huge, huge rings. So the planet J1407b, so the planet orbiting star, this Saturn, is more of a super Saturn. It's 200 times larger than Saturn. And the rings, in fact, around it are so 200 times more massive than what's around Saturn. So we talked about how the rings of Saturn are about 105,000 kilometers you know, in width, um, which is massive distance. Uh, but the rings around this super Saturn are 200 times bigger, which that's, is insane. That's ridiculous. Um, that's a bit hard for me to get my head around. Um, is there any sort of example? So, what would I be? Would I be able to see this? Like, <laughs> yeah. So, so there's there's actually they reckon there's some more moons, exomoons around. Uh, this super Saturn that are actually making it, dividing it into small ring pathways, just like we have on Saturn, but so many more times bigger. It's almost like a mini solar system that these rings are forming. In fact, if you were where Earth is around J1407, so okay, reasonably so close to J1407, you can yeah. sort of make the comparison because the stars are similar size. So imagine our stars are similar size and super Saturn is sitting where our Saturn is now. Okay, so we're on Earth and we're looking at Saturn, but yep. Saturn is now super Saturn. Yeah, so you can't normally see Saturn on Earth, right? But with your naked eye. You can kind of see it's one of the nice stars, but it's not that spectacular. It looks like any other star. If we're looking at the Super Saturn and its rings, it would be several times bigger than the moon. So not, not just like a small moon, like the full moon. You know how we have that super moon kind of thing? Yeah, like at least five or so times bigger than the super moon. And this would be visible all the time in the sky. So at, at dawn and dusk, you know how you can kind of see the moon even when it's sometimes a blue and sunny day? you would be able to see this massive ring system from Earth, even though it would be as far away as Saturn. And it takes our spaceships, you know, 10 years or so to get to Saturn. That's kind of the distance at spaceship travel we're talking about here. How long does it take our spaceships to get to the moon? Well, you know, a couple of days, a week. So you're talking, it's something like... That's so many times bigger than the moon. In terms of relative size, it's just huge. And it's almost... Okay, when you look at the sun up in the sky, it's probably about half the size of that. That's how big it would look. And because it's reflecting light, it would be really, really visible. And it actually would cause all these kinds of different amazing eclipses when it would pass in front of the sun and pass in front of the moon. And it would look stunning. So Saturn rings look stunning when you look at it through a telescope or from pictures from a space probe. This would look stunning 
every day in the sky. Sounds like your dream. Maybe maybe when you um, finish with the YSA, Justin will have to try and move the planets in the sky to get you this... Well, that's sky. right. If we want to make a truly wonderful ring structure, you have to go no further than looking at J1407B's beautiful, beautiful rings. If you've read the action books by the Australian author Matthew Riley in the Ancient Wonder series, you probably would have heard of the theory of Nemesis, a so-called dark star, a hypothetical star um, that orbits in the same area as our solar system and is, and is basically there as a hidden second sun that lives in our solar system, periodically coming around and causing doom, havoc and destruction and being linked to mass extinctions on planet Earth because of its influence of its gravity. Now, obviously, this is not real. This is something that is in a, a fictional book. And there are actual people who have formulated this as a hypothesis that some type of star exists out there in our solar system. It's a companion to our very own sun. Now, these aren't true. And there is a lot of evidence suggesting that there is absolutely no other star in our immediate vicinity near us, aside from the sun, Sol. Um, that could be possibly hanging out there as maybe as a brown dwarf or something that's just coolly lurking around in the shadows. There is no Nemesis star, no Nibiru, no other name for it lurking inside our solar system. So rest assured, there is nothing out there that will return one day to be the herald of the apocalypse. And we've proven that using a lot of science from th from things such as the Wide Field Infrared Survey Explorer, WISE, which is a very wise name. And we've also looked into it using a number of other methods. And yet... This idea continues to persist in popular culture. But recently, we've actually discovered something that I think is far more terrifying and far more interesting than having this second star lurking in our solar system. And that is the fact that uh, just 70,000 years ago, something flew into our solar system, really, really close into our solar system. In fact, it basically did a drive-by of the solar system. And that was another star. So, you know, we know that comets have these really long orbits and they, they zoom around and sometimes they move closer into Earth and sometimes they go back out to where they live in the Oort cloud. And we all have our planets which orbit around the sun in a fairly stable manner. But our nearest star is, you know, we know as Alpha Centauri, which is light years away, and that's a very long distance. 70,000 years ago, a star came very, very close to our solar system. And we've actually figured this out by measuring where it is now and at the current path it's on and extrapolating backwards. So to give you a bit of a picture to understand what happened here, um, first we have to define some distances. And the first thing I want to talk about is AU, which is the distance from, uh, not Australia, but the distance from the sun to Earth. We call that one solar unit, one AU. And basically, you know, that, that's a, a relatively large number um, of kilometres. And we also have the terminology light year. Now, I don't use this to mean uh, some fancy sci-fi term. It's the technical International Astronomical Union term for the distance that light will travel in a vacuum over one year, one Julian year. And basically, that number is uh, 9.4 by 10 to the 15 metres. So that's huge, huge numbers of metres. Or I want to put it another way, it's 6,000 times the distance from Earth to the sun. And that is pretty far. You can see how the smallest of the sun looks in our sky. So that, they're talking huge distance, 6,000 distance. That's one light year. So we define our solar system um, as being all the planets, all the objects around that, and then all the dwarf planets, including Pluto, Ceres, and Sedna, and a number of other things. 
We also have these uh, trans-Newtonian objects that where comets live that hang out in the Oort cloud. Um, that's what we call it, uh, which is this big bundle of comets that sort of protect our in a protective circle around our solar system, and that extends for about fifty thousand AU or solar units. Um, so that that's you know this little big buffer zone around our planet. And what we've actually picked up that this star called Shoals Star uh, and it's a companion brown dwarf. Uh, basically, it came within 0.8 AU of the solar system from Earth, basically. And what that means in other terms is that it, it basically went inside the Auckland. It went into our little protective bubble of our solar system. Another, another star came into our little neighbourhood, just drove by casually for a little bit, 70,000 years ago. Now, I'm talking these big numbers, big distances and big times, but you have to remember that in space, like geology, everything works in really slow time frames. But 70,000 years ago isn't that long ago, especially on a geological time frame. That was when the Neanderthals and Cro-Magnemans, our, our early ancestors, were still around. You know, humanity was pretty close to the current day. It's basically, if you, in space terms, blink and you miss it moment. And this star flew, <laughs> Schultz star, flew through on its approach to the sun and, you know, came really close to us. That's, and that's insane, considering that, you know, otherwise our closest star is ages and ages away in the Alpha Centauri complex, which is over 4.2 light years away. So this is amazing to think about. Um, and when you think about it in more detail, it's more reasonable to expect that than have this mysterious thing hidden lurking in our solar system. It makes a lot more sense than Nemesis theory. Basically, this star passed into our system and it passed out of it again on its journey onwards to where it currently is travelling now. And this goes to show that, you know, the way space works with all these different complicated orbits of objects, it's not necessarily that simple to model. You have to take into account all these other different orbits that you can think of for all these other different objects. But when you do take them into account, you can actually back extrapolate and find out there are some amazing new things out there that would have happened in the past. Using this, we can also predict that we are expecting another star to come into our Oort cloud, our, our little little boundary of our solar system. But there are also predicted using these wonderful mathematical models that in about a million, million and a half years, so a long time away from now, we will have other stars visiting us as well. So it wasn't just a one-off. These things will happen again. Not the same star, of course. Shoal star is now 20 light years away from us, zooming away into its own little place in the galactic neighbourhood. But Gliese 710, in about 1.5 million years, it will come and visit us as well. So if we're still around by then, we have another chance to get really up close and personal with another star. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. This week we found out about some super beautiful rings around other planets, and we found out about the visiting of the Schultz star to our solar system neighbourhood and how it may happen again in 1.5 million years. Our ending theme was composed by Audio and Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.